Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. What's up, guys? What's up? Welcome to episode 73. 73. Yeah. Good number, because 7 and 3 equals 10. Equals 10. Why is that good? Because it sounds nice. <laughs> sounds even. What, are you a Pythagorean? So maybe in the inside. <laughs> so, um, after uh, two episodes uh-huh. basking into this distinction between uh, different schools of philosophy, we're going to talk about something Mm-hmm. more memorable today <laughs> <laughs> good good we're here we're burnt yeah, yeah. i i filled this teacup like f- three or four times yeah. this tea bag is like ash <laughs> it's just slightly <laughs> yellow water well, still which i have tea if you would have asked me i would have given to you don't you not drink tea yeah, but i still have it i do drink Sometimes, but I can only drink it off. You want some? Oh, next time. Next, next time. time. All right. Next all time. Right. I'm going to steal all your tea. That's yeah, right here. Somewhere here. I see the green box. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, but today, yes. uh, we are talking about a concept which, unlike the last episode, mm-hmm. everyone could relate to. Yep. Right? And as I said, memorable. Memorable. Very low entry barrier. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are talking about the philosophy of memory. I try to understand what this thing is, how this thing works, what do we mean by it? What does it do? What does it do for us? And so on, I guess, right? Yeah, I suppose. So, do we start as usual? <laughs> I guess so. So, what do we think about when what's what's the general understanding of this thing? What would you say? The average, okay, if you were to walk up to someone on the street. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> which, okay, so this is a thing I've learned uh Whenever I teach classes, mm-hmm. you'll go up to someone and you say, what is something? And sometimes it's a big philosophical issue and sometimes it's not. But because they're in the context of a philosophy class, when yeah. you ask a basic question, they just yeah, crickets <laughs> look at you. And I'm like, no, no, I'm not trying to trick you. I'll be like, what is a shoe? And they're like, uh-huh. I'm like, no, but so memory. I think yes. if you were to ask someone what memory is, I think you'd get two responses mm-hmm. without even thinking about it one is the more literal but it's still very vague but mm-hmm. a good starting point is the past mm. something that happened to you mm-hmm. and i think the other one you would get is a more higher level version of memory which is um something valued like mm. a memory like oh i have this memory Oh, interesting. So I think you'd get um, the value Latin noun and then the very bare bones uh, is it a process, maybe something like that, hmm. or how it's related to the past. I don't know. And do you, do you think that this is – why do we why do they think that way? Why people will, will go that route? Well, because I think in everyday life sometimes, most of the time, the upper level – or in other words, the the less abstract 
composition explanations um, of things are less apparent than the already put together concrete way that things unfold to you. Mm -hmm. So in other words, I, I don't experience H2O. Mm. Like I experience a pool. Mm -hmm. I'm in the ocean, mm -hmm. right? So I think with memory, the first thing we think about is like the things that stick with us. You know, whether it's something that makes you happy, something you, you think fondly of, or something that really affected you, or something that's really sad. But I think that's that's the first thing, because that's how memory shows itself, is okay. in um, the values that are at the forefront of your everyday awareness, mm -hmm. let's say. So there's a value-laden, we can say, idea of what, what the memory is, and then the other one is this yep. the past, the things that are gone. Yeah, and I think they're... They're all in the same thing. It's mm -hmm. just different components of it. But mm -hmm. I think you'd get the the put together piece of furniture answer before you'd get the like put A into B mm -hmm. answer. That's funny because while I was asking you this question, I was thinking what came, what comes to my mind mm -hmm. when we talk about these things. And what comes to my mind is actually has nothing to do with it. Well, not true, but it's definitely not these two things. Mm -hmm. uh, what comes to my mind is the storage area where I put thoughts and you know uh -huh. things that, that happened to me in the past but is the the storage unit almost right they're gonna say a computer no well i get a sense right interesting um but it is the computer i think has something to do with that too right but okay. but i i'm wondering if people do not think about the psychological hmm. aspect of it in my memory it's like the mm -hmm. my memory mm -hmm. in my place mm -hmm. ah and and isn't so, and we're saying these are the these are the, the the ways in which we go, and you're saying that they go there because of it's kind of our access that we add to it, the value, and then we put in this idea of the past and stuff like that. And would you say how how would you say this this goes when it comes to is there something more than this? Let's put it this way that we should talk about, or is oh should we stick with this? So I think in contrast to the everyday, we should probably try to hone in on the most fundamental, right? Because like we already have the put-together furniture. It's like, okay, now let's unpack it and look at the pile. Mm -hmm. And I think out of the obvious answers we gave, I think the one about the quote-unquote past, out of those is the most fundamental. Mm -hmm. But you could probably even go deeper because in order to have a past, you have to have a present and the present mm -hmm. must unfold in a certain way. Mm -hmm. um, so the traditional way, I guess you can think about memory in a very base level empiricist, empiricist, empiricist <laughs> framework. Mm -hmm. So it's hard C's. Is that Latin that has the hard C's? Mm -hmm. Um my mind just went blank. Uh, is it's almost like a you experience something mm -hmm. as a snapshot, mm -hmm. right? And after you have that sensory experience of the thing, you could that, that's that's the presentation. Mm -hmm. Then you could have that representation of the thing in your head. Now, some representations are timeless. Mm -hmm. Like I just think of a tree, mm -hmm. right? Random archi mm -hmm. archetypal tree. I just thought of. Some representations are of a future possibility. Okay. And some representations are, in the most literal sense, a re-presentation. So I am playing to myself 
um, that real of what happened in my previous experience. So hmm. the most basic example is um, when you, I first came here. What were you going to say? Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. You're going to say something funny? <laughs> so, um, Not really. <laughs> when, when we were... Okay, I, right now, you gave me audio, audio input at the beginning of the episode about how I can have your tea. Mm-hmm. And then now I am remembering the fact that you said that. So I'm like taking something that happened that was given to me through sensory input, and I'm now able to bring it back to my consciousness somehow in the present in like a lesser, uh, less vivid form. Mm. So I guess that, yeah, it's like when you think of your birthday when you turned seven. Mm. Right? Isn't it kind of similar? Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, it's very interesting that we can do that. It's weird. Right? It's very weird. It's strange and because we can see that happening in our head. Sort of, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the first question, the first thing that we should try to analyze if we go this route is you were making this dif- distinction between presentation and representation. Would you say that that is the only difference between the two things? That is like, is the less, the fact that it's less vivid makes a memory different than the, mm. than the, the, the perception, if you want? I think it's one, but not the only difference. Mm. Um, I think another difference between uh, a happening and a memory, which are two different words we can say for a presentation and Mm -hmm. a representation, are that the happening is constrained. Mm. It is happening now, in this way, only right now, and only in this way. Mm -hmm. Whereas the memory... You can replay it as many times as you want and modify it in whatever way you want. So it seems to have, there's almost like a timelessness to memory itself in, in that there's, it could be on infinite loop. Whereas the thing happening in the moment is concrete, limited, uh, fleeting, will never happen again. Mm. It's not on loop. It's, it's there. And then once it happens, it happens. So and well, it's interesting there because you're saying that one is never gonna represent itself, while in the same breath you're saying that it's representing itself into a different form, right? Which one was that? I'm sorry. Uh, so you're saying that you know the the thing that ha- that the happening mm-hmm. is constrained by the fact that it's unique, yeah. right? Yes, it will never happen again. But at the same time, we're saying that it will represent itself in, in a different in a different form in a different yes. form, right? Yes, and the it that represents is like not even it okay yeah so at the end of the day they're two different so one causes the other so one is an effect it seems like the memory is an effect it's not only an effect because it Mm. can change the way you experience things live it can also be a cause but it certainly involves an effect right because you can't have a memory of something that you've never had once. I mean, unless you ever watch these things about little kids that claim they have past lives mm-hmm. and they're like, oh, you so know, you, back you, in the day I had this car and I could tell you about my first prom, but yeah, no. It's, <laughs> no you can't. You can't. Uh, you're three. You can't. But, but if you could, 
mm-hmm. in the same. Yeah, of course. So you're saying that at the end of the day, memories are just, they can only exist because they're being caused by something that happened before them. That's right. And then in turn, they could cause something else. else. However, something needed to have started that chain, I would say. Draw. Unless you believe you're born with innate full yeah, so memories or something. There is always, but even in that case, you're still remembering things that happened before True. you were born. True, there's an right? origin. Yeah, right. So they're not. They're always memories are always originated from something else. They're never original. They're always derivative, right? Um, so I, I think that's mostly uncontroversial. I don't think there's anybody who can claim the opposite of it. But you were saying also they have effect on you, right? Mm-hmm. They can affect the other things mm-hmm. you're saying um like what what are you thinking about well i guess i said that because i didn't want to limit the nature of memory to a one-way flow mm. because it seems like the uncontroversial thing to say is that experience happens experience consists of collection of sensory properties Mm-hmm. and it results in you having some kind of recollection, right? mm-hmm. a recollection of those properties put together in a certain fashion. But your memory of past experiences, of course, could then alter the way you experience new presentations, right? Because maybe... It, it controls the like valence of the the mm. experience. Like if you have a different emotion, or if you have a different expectation, mm-hmm. or a different uh, because of what aversion. you already know. Yeah, yeah. But at the very least, because I think the effect part is probably going to be, it's the least literal, but it might wind up being the most interesting. But I think so far, what we have is just, it's almost like, a, like a photo. Mm-hmm. Right, but a photo that you that's interactive. Okay, yeah, like uh, yeah. yeah, you know. I mean, what do you? Yeah, no, your I'm, I'm on thinking. This? I'm thinking that uh, there is like this. I like the. I think that the interesting thing is this interaction, which is three prong, in my opinion. Just at least the, the way you put it, right? You had the, the happening. Mm-hmm. Then there is you. Which are, involved in that, of course, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the memory of it. So there is the effect. I think that the, a, a part of interest is the effect that both of these things have on you. Mm-hmm. The happening itself and then the memory. And you're saying that kind of the happening eventually through you gets to 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 create this memory. And then the memory through you can somehow affect other happenings. Right. So one to two, two to three, one to three. Three to one. Three to one. Three to one, okay, right? Okay, okay. Well, it? maybe three to one. Okay, okay. I'll, you know I'll stick saying? with that. Yeah, yeah, I'll yeah, stick uh, with that. So if we look at this at this thing, right, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, and, you know, just because this was supposed to be easy, uh, <laughs> the first thing that comes to my mind is the following. So let's say something happens to you, unhappening, right? Um, something not pleasant. Let's assume. I, I don't doesn't matter what it is. Um, and this thing hurts you, right? Then, though, you have some some situations in which you would say that the memory of it is the thing that's hurting you more than the thing itself. 
Hmm. Right? So the fact that I know, that I remember that these things happen are kind of really reconstructing whatever happenings is happening from now on, right? We can call those things trauma, right? Mm -hmm. And how does that work, right? Is it, what is more painful? What is more effective? What yeah. does it, um, what can we say? Um, has a bigger effect on you, the happening or the memory, right? Because One thought I'm having is it would seem to depend on whether it was a physical sensation mm -hmm. or something more conceptual. Mm. Um, because if we go Hume's logic, he says no doubt that the experience um, is more vivid than the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because he says basically, you know, the most you could say about an idea is that I almost tasted it. I almost felt it. So it's mm -hmm. like I always say in class, um, if, you're, if your favorite food, right, like we were talking about sushi before, and I'm mm -hmm. having like a dynamite roll, got a good amount of wasabi <laughs> and uh, soy sauce. <laughs> I'm dipping it in. Mm. Um I could almost taste it, mm -hmm. but I can't literally taste it. So the happening of, of the eating sushi is much more vivid than me just um, remembering you. or imagining in the future. Mm. However, when it comes to something like oh, something, I don't know, like a breakup mm -hmm. or like something someone said to you that mm -hmm. you play over in your head, you hear people talk about this, that one maybe seems to compound the more you replay it. So it seems like for the physical, the base level physical mm -hmm. sensations, the happening is the more vivid vivid one. Whereas for the other ones, it at least opens the potential for the, the replays to be more vivid hmm. and so, long lasting. So and it's it's interesting that you say that because and when you say breakup, I was thinking, you know, let's think about something instead that and and the, it seems to be before we get there, it seems to be the way we're talking about this is that negative happening equals negative memory. Pleasant happening, the sushi row, equals pleasant memory. I'm thinking, though, of situations where a memory that is not inherently bad, it's painful. Right of, the, of an happening that's not in anything bad, it's painful. Mm -hmm. Let's say you, you know, uh, you spending time with somebody that you love or whatever it is, and this person is not there anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And then you think of that memory of you spending time with that person. And while there is the pleasure of remembering, there is this pain. It's very painful when, it's, let's say, when you're grieving, right? Mm -hmm. How does that work? Is that because it seems if it is a if it is a, a a picture right if it is a photo right it should affect you the same way mm. but instead you have this mm -hmm. dysmorphic almost uh situations how does that work is that is that still a memory or is something different at that point that's a good point because it could be i think one of two things one thing is it isn't the memory but it's something attached to the memory 
and then you're you have like this whole complex consisting of the two parts and that's like the the internal happening or whatever the internal feeling and i don't want to mm-hmm. use the word happening to represent that too mm-hmm. um or you could say it is part of the memory but you're right like if you have i mean in a breakup the situation again like you're like yeah. oh i th- we had this time together mm-hmm. and or even a death right mm-hmm. like someone dies and mm-hmm. and you have a you know, i remember having this wonderful day with this person and uh, and i was happy at the moment and they were happy at the moment and it always left a positive impact on me and now when i think about it I, i'm sad it's I'm, sad yeah right like does that mean it's part of the memory or something in it in addition to the memory it kind of seems that the memory is sad. Right? Well, I think it makes you sad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if we're talking about this effect on the number two, which is the ego, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. In that case, how does that going to be? Right? Is it is it possible for a positive happening to cause a negative memory? I think we may have stumbled upon two different usages of the term memory. That, that's good, right? <laughs> or <Whereas> bad? <laughs> one definition of memory is the literal snapshot mm-hmm. um one definition maybe is the snapshot but you can modify it a little bit mm-hmm. but it's still not attached to emotion and then the third type is this totality of snapshot plus feeling surrounding it hmm. so the way you could apply that to the having a good time with someone who's now dead situation is you know in type one recollection of the day is memory same thing in type two um but in type three you're now saying it's the memory and the feeling associated with the memory but i wonder if that's like we shouldn't do that i wonder if we should just stick to that those first types so here's the thing though it's really hard to to, in my opinion to stick to the first one because unless we're saying that we're using memory in a very technical term Mm -hmm. where we're just talking about the snapshot and that's it mm-hmm. and in that case what's the utility of this if you want what is the point of talking about this it just it almost seems like a mechanical thing that might be interesting like you know how mm-hmm. does this happen in the brain and stuff like that i'm not saying that that's not interesting in itself but i think that the if you want the effects of this thing are what what makes it interesting right this this i think that cutting out the value completely mm-hmm. the value aspect of it is like what's what's the point why are we talking about this right okay well here's a little thought experiment um if you can you remember a time when (laughs) you're gonna yell at me for this but when you were uh i don't know why this came to mind (laughs) when you like still played soccer Yes. Right? And like your body was able to do things yes. that like it isn't able to do now, yes. right? And you think of some miraculous thing that always made you happy mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. But now you think of it and definitely not happy. <laughs> right, right. Okay. So here's the question. Is that one memory mm-hmm. or two memories? Oh. So is you saying that hmm. I think it's still one. Still yeah. one memory. Okay, so you're saying it's one memory but two different feelings. I So this is what I was saying at the beginning as well. Yes. So there is the feeling. still when you spend time with the, with the, when you think of the time that you spent with the person is not here any longer, right? 
there's still there is this underlying fondness. Mm. It's not happiness anymore. You're not happy anymore, like you were in the in the moment in the happening. And the same thing for me. I look at those whatever thing that I might have done with some fondness. But this still produces sadness. I can be fond of a memory that makes me sad. I think I'm thinking of it in terms of, without getting too technical, Husserl has this concept of the um, the noema. Mm-hmm. And the noema is the object of consciousness, right? In, in, in a word, yeah. Yeah. it's the thing you're thinking about. Mm-hmm. It's the thing you're looking at, whatever. Mm-hmm. But then he says, within the noema, it's actually like not one thing. It's like this noematic complex that has the noematic core and then all these correlates surrounding the core. And like when I, I remember being in my Husserl seminars and she, uh, uh, Lanai Rodemeyer, she was awesome. She used to always use a teddy bear as an example. Mm-hmm. And she would say, you know, teddy, teddy is the noematic core, but like teddy as lovable. Teddy as soft, Teddy as warm. Those are the nomadic correlates. Mm-hmm. So I, I think I'm kind of in that mindset now because I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the memory as the core, uh, and then the valence attached to the memory as being the the correlates. And then maybe you're saying, no, no, they're more integrated than mm-hmm. that or something. Yeah, it's, I think they're. I think the wildest distinction is helpful, uh, and. This distinction is there. There's no doubt about it, right? Mm-hmm. You can think of anything as detached from any value that we attach to it, right? Obviously, almost everything. Um, I'm wondering if this is just a distinction that we make that's not possible to make, right? Oh, it's it's, it's definitely... It's only possible in abstraction. It's, uh, exactly. So. Right. It's not possible because when the memory comes, you cannot be like... Oh, but it's neutral. But uh, <laughs> like at someone's funeral. But imagine if I wasn't there. Exactly right. <laughs> that's that's not possible. And I'm and while philosophically it's interesting to make the distinction, uh, and the and practicality doesn't it doesn't work right. Mm. It, going back to the practical analytic stuff, uh, it doesn't work. So, but I'm wondering though. So the effects of the two things is it? Does it happen? Again, that's. If we say that the memory can be neutral, shouldn't we also be able to say that the happening is neutral? Okay. And then those qualitative stuff that we add to it are added in both instances, in the present and in the recollection of it. The reason it wouldn't be neutral, it could, it's if we're saying the memory could form a lens through which the the happening happens Mm -hmm. um that means that the happening is never neutral besides except your very first experience when you have no memory of anything Mm. there's for the most part always something that's like you know again in Husserl that's kind of passive in the background that's affecting the the active but theoretically can we think of the fact that you were taking a walk with Claire when you were 14. Didn't I don't know, know each other then. 17. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was close. Uh, let's say you're, taking, you're thinking of the very first time you took a walk with Claire. Right? Okay. Okay. Of course, the memory of it causes specific sensations, right? Mm-hmm. But what you were saying before is that from a theoretical perspective, the walk, the remembrance of the walk with a Claire. Walk to remember. 
uh, the walk with Claire mm-hmm. is not necessarily. Um, I can think of the walk with Claire without the attached feeling, right? I can think of it as a separate thing. In as abstraction. The, the, in abstraction, right? Yes. And isn't the same thing for any single happening. So now think of the fact that we're doing this right now. It makes mm-hmm. you feel one way or another, or maybe it doesn't make you feel any way. But anyway, let's assume that something that you're doing right now in the moment makes you feel happy, right? Okay. Is it possible for me theoretically to think of that thing without this hue of happiness? It just as the thing. In the actual live happening. Yeah. Can I theoretically think of that this is just a happening and nothing more? There's no sadness implicit into that. There's no happiness implicit into that. Okay, here is my thought process. Thought number one, no. Not even theoretically. Thought number two, yes, theoretically, but theoretically is a reflection which means the thing have would have already had to have happened for you to then reflect upon. Mm. Number three, you would have to prime yourself for all future experiences and be like the cartoon Daria, which is just kind of like, this is how I approach life. Or Camus, like um, in, in the beginning of uh, The Stranger at his, his mom's funeral, just like I feel nothing. I feel like you'd have to prep yourself for all future experiences. But no, I don't no, no, I, no, I don't know if it's no, possible. No, 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 absolutely I think I'm saying something different. I'm saying the same way in which reflecting, because again, in order to detach the happiness or the sadness from the memory, you also need to do all those things that you mentioned to do it theoretically, right? Mm-hmm. It's not something that you can, uh, it comes with the emotion, the memory, right? Mm-hmm. So you're reflecting on the memory and you're separating it. Mm-hmm. So the same way when something is happening to you, the moment you reflect on it, you can make this separation though, right? Okay. I and I think that this can be done because it is possible for you to imagine to think of me playing soccer and have an exact picture of me playing soccer. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, this doesn't provoke the feelings that it provokes to me. Mm-hmm. Right? So that means and yours is not a memory. Right, mine's an imagination. Exactly. Yeah. So which let's compare it to an happening right now, right? It is possible to have a completely different feelings attached to the same happening. So that means that the Mm. happening in itself doesn't come with a preset feeling, Mm. which means that it's separated from the feelings, right? Okay, this is like an interesting little thing because now I'm thinking of a very hard question, which is what is the happening? (laughs) What is the event? Is it the thing as it happens to the one person in the lived moment? Is it the thing as it happens to one person in a more objective sense in terms of its properties? Is it the thing as intellectually understood by a group of people as like, I can understand you playing soccer, even though it's not the same thing? Um, okay. I don't know. Let's go old school. On All right. <laughs> the moon landing. Yes. Millions of people experience the moon landing. Mm-hmm. And I'm picking that because it's something televised, right? Yes. Forget the people on the moon. Okay. Think of the people on Earth mm-hmm. experiencing the moon landing. Everyone that has experienced that has watched the moon landing from the same angle because it's exp- it's shown to you on TV the same way with the same non-callers on TV. I don't think it was in call. Was in color seventy six. I'm gonna. I I can't speak about this. I, <laughs> I, I, I was not a thought in the wind. I wasn't either. 
I wasn't born yet. Um, so everyone has experienced the same way. So it's happening for every, for all these millions of people. It's mm-hmm. happening at the same time through the same lens, TV, right? Not the, the individual lens. It's presented On the to everyone right, the right. same way. So there's no thing that we can claim, oh, but I'm in a different angle. Like you're watching the <laughs> same thing, right? That is, is that, first question number one, is that technically the same happening for everyone? For everyone, okay. Right. Maybe, yes. That that provoked the same sensation, the same feeling to everyone. No. No, that definitely, one's easier. Definitely right. not, right? But how can we claim that's not the same happening? I'm exposed to the same sense data. Mm-hmm. How is it a different happening? Okay, well, I think what someone, like thinking of Husserl would say, or even maybe Heidegger, maybe Merleau-Ponty, maybe any mm-hmm. of these guys, um, because they would say it's maybe there's the same. So, okay, if the noema is this totality of things, mm-hmm. Despite the fact that everyone is having the same core, mm-hmm. maybe the correlates are different. So, like the nomadic core of moon landing is perhaps the same for everybody, and that's all we need. Okay, right. Whereas the noema as a whole is different because there's all these different attachments mm-hmm. to it. Okay, but that's different. But we're talking about the noema. We're talking about the happening is that, isn't okay. it? And, and then everything perhaps, else is. It's like. And what does this? What does this mean for you? If it's the same. That is, that core. Is po- Actually, I think you just gave me the answer. It's possible to attach to the same nomadic core different correlates. Yeah, they yes, depend okay. on us. Yes, right? yes, yes. Which means that the noema is independent from those things. Somewhat. The core is a little bit independent. Yeah, but I thought that's what I was saying. Because I actually agree with that. Oh, okay, no. That's, okay, that's, okay, okay. <laughs> okay, cool. That, but I'm saying if that is the case, though, mm-hmm. it's possible to imagine happening there detached from emotions. And then the same thing with memory. Exactly. Yep. So we're agreeing. We're in agreement in that. Yes. It may not be felt that way in the moment, mm-hmm. but you could do it. Yes. Technically. And if that is the case, it's so it's easier to understand this relationship between happening memory and you, the, the subject, if you want, mm-hmm. because you are attaching those emotions on both Because otherwise things. there's no attachment. Otherwise there's yeah, no yeah. attachment. Okay, good. We're good in there. Yeah, I'm good in that respect. <laughs> so, but if what we're saying is true, right? To, I'm wondering if it is possible to have the same memory of the same happening. Two people? Mm-hmm. To have the same memory? About the same happening. About the same happening. Mm-hmm. Again, let's stick with the moon landing. Do two people remember the same... Do they have the same memory about the moon landing? My answer would be you can get pretty darn close. But never the same. But not exactly the same. Why not? So the reason you can get pretty close is because... Well, you might be like, but people are in different houses. Let's say you have a husband and a wife in the same house in the same living room. Right? Their day was pretty similar. They have the same every day. So... Pretty close. They're sitting next to each other on the couch at a almost identical but not totally identical angle. 
um, same perception of the kids and what's going on for mm-hmm. dinner and what's happening at work and what's happening with the family. But they don't have the exact same... Interiority. Right. They don't have the same mental state. They don't have the same exact lens. So I would say that's probably the closest you can get, but it it can't be exact. Another way you could argue that it's not the same memory is because it's two different minds. Mm. And you can't have one thing happening in two places, two containers at once. This is like Locke's principle. Mm-hmm. So, like, if there was one memory, it's scarce, right? It's so, I'm assuming that you're thinking that there's no such thing as collective memories. Ooh, this is fun. Can you explain that a little bit? Uh, there's not there's no such thing as um, memories of a population, a group of people, a subgroup of people that have this collective mm. uh, memory of something that happened. Because... If it, just for what you just said it makes it impossible in the yes in the sense of uh like the literal identity of a memory correct but on a how would you say like a more pragmatic level to go back at that i think there that you could probably have you could have archetypes mm. right you could have like archetypal memories mm-hmm. i'm thinking of september 11th mm-hmm. right Every, everyone knows where they were, mm-hmm. right? When September 11 happened, mm-hmm. no matter like unless you're a baby or something, because mm-hmm. everyone school stopped, work stopped, everything, yeah. And everyone was in a different place. Mm-hmm. And I could tell you the story about how I was in school, and then this thing happened, and I mm-hmm. went home to my grandmother. Some uh, my dad could tell you, oh, he was at work, and he was on top of one of the structures, or people he worked with were on top of the structures, and you could see it. Someone might be like, oh, I worked there that day and like mm-hmm. they, I got sick and so I didn't go. Um, someone else could say I was in the city and I had mm-hmm. to run for shelter inside a store. Someone was a first responder. And kind of like the sum total of this produces some vague air of mm-hmm. September 11th memory, mm-hmm. which has all these different components. But it's not Uniform. literally one memory. It's to use Kant. It's not a unity, it's a totality. Okay. Okay. So basically you're saying that uh, collective memories can only exist as totalities but never as unities. That's right. And I don't think that makes them non-existent. It's no, just no, a different course. type of existence. It's like it's like to go to the stuff that Harmon talks about, like Coca-Cola. Mm-hmm. Like what is Coca-Cola? Is mm-hmm. it the one can? Is it this one factory? Is mm-hmm. it the whole country? Like, yeah. Yeah. So is it... This is interesting because the thing that I find that I find hard to reconcile with this is the fact that sometimes when we talk about this totality, and I can agree with you on that maybe, there's this totality of of different memories that create this archetypal memory that we call September eleventh, for example, right? There seems that Within this, when we talk about collective memory specifically, we seem to imply that they produce on the collectivity the same feeling. And the they, same, they might not. The same effect. Um, and sometimes we seem to, there's somebody who might, and I think this is worth exploring, uh, we seem to um, to imply that these memories are 
they're so how can we say they're so ingrained in our in our mind as a collectivity that not the memory itself but the feeling that this memory provoke can be passed down to other generations can be passed down to people that did not experience the thing firsthand so they have a recollection of a recollection if you want mm. but they still feel the same way about it they still make you, you feel say this through teaching not through innateness right yes yes okay. no, no, no i'm not talking about innateness i'm talking about the fact that you know because who is it was it who was talking about, like i feel like at a club meeting i don't know if it was peter someone was bringing up the concept of like people will claim that they have memories almost like visions of things that happened to their ancestors through exactly um, that's exactly where i'm going with this okay, so because that, that i thought he was getting at an innate thing though no, I don't think. Okay, okay. But regardless of what it was, I don't know what he was referring to. But I think that it is reasonable to believe that in this case, is right, the narration of the event, which is a memory, right? Mm -hmm. When you're narrating it, you're of course you're talking about your recollection of stuff, right? Yeah, and then that produces a memory in the new person. In the new person, the narration mm -hmm. was so vivid that then all of a sudden I have this in my head as well, mm -hmm. and it makes me feel at least as bad and he made feel the person who told me right and if so i guess the question is if this sensation goes beyond the direct memory right isn't it is are we sure that he comes from from the subject rather than coming from the memory itself right what does that mean because it kind of takes on its own life or yeah. something um and it's uh, and again, let's. This is not. Again, it might sound that this is just uh, an exercise, right? Uh, an intellectual exercise, but this has really real consequences, right? Because right? it determines the way people think. Yes, yeah. and also, well, not not only because of that. And again, without getting into specifics, if we don't want to, but think of the fact that there is this event that caused me pain. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in pain when I think about this. I'm so in pain that when I recollect this and I read it to you, mm -hmm. now the secondhand memory that you have also causes you pain, right? Mm -hmm. So this means that this event was really, really bad. And if I have caused you pain, I am responsible for the pain that I caused you. And maybe not just me, but whoever comes after me. Hmm. So just like my ancestor passed to me the pain through the memory, at the same way, the people that descend from the one who calls arm, then, then all of a sudden they kind of are responsible as well mm -hmm. because they are the descendant of the happening maker or mm -hmm. whatever it is, right? And now all of a sudden you have people that are detached from the happening in itself. They are hold responsible. Uh, people that are detached from the happening and the memory that claim that they need to be reimbursed for some reason for what that person did. Okay. I think that – so I'm, I get what you're saying. <laughs> get where you're going with that. Um, I think that is a dilemma only if we don't tighten our – definition of memory or like criteria for what counts as a memory because i don't I, I think it, it obviously is true that people pass down 
stories, mm -hmm. right, from generation to generation. And with the stories come that tradition and this way of thinking mm -hmm. and this way of interpreting the world and all that good stuff. Um, but I don't think that when someone explains something to you that you're giving, like it's not like uh, Paulo Freire, like I'm, I'm placing the, the mm -hmm. banking model of memory, like I'm not placing it in your head as I'm explaining to you. Mm -hmm. So I think if I told you a story... Like I, I like I tell Claire a lot about you know like weird crazy things that happened when I was little, mm -hmm. and she knows a lot about that now, but she doesn't have them and she's heard so many of these stories. Many she tells me Grandpa. She makes fun of me sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I heard this one, Grandpa. She doesn't actually have the memory. She just has a memory of me telling her about my memory. But is she heard by your memory? No. Okay. No, I I. I think that that is lies. The difference lies there, though. The I, I, yeah. I mean, because I'm okay. The close, the more close thing that relates to what you said for me would be hearing about family history um, from people who I didn't know mm -hmm. in a world that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that to the extent that you can feel connected with some lineage mm -hmm. or some tradition, of course, you could feel something. Um, but you're not, it's, it's, if, again, if we're sticking with Hume, at least you can't, you literally cannot ha feel more vivid than the actual thing that happened. Mm -hmm. It's like, and like you're saying, you're, it, it, the message gets more blurry each time. It's like, mm -hmm. it's like, um, Plato, you know, the, when we move away from the Absolutely. forms or like even Nietzsche, the mm -hmm. copy of a copy of a copy of a copy. So I mean, of course, oral traditions produce effects in people, but I don't. I wouldn't say it's like giving people memories. So is, that's not a collective memory. The fact that we all remember, think of Israel, or think of the of the Jews, right? Mm -hmm. They had this collective memory and history. The two things kind of blend together in mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. case, right? Where they were thrown out of Egypt, they they escape Egypt. Uh, there's the diaspora, mm -hmm. and then there is uh, World War II, and then there's the Holocaust, and then all terrible things, and then all this kind of stuff. And they all live inside this collective memory. Mm -hmm. With this collective memory, seems to come a certain how can we call it right to be hurt, to mm -hmm. be hurt about mm -hmm, certain mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. right? And we grant that, right? We seem to believe that this is this makes sense to us, right? Uh, and we are not surprised when someone who was born generations after the Holocaust, for example, still wants to see the Nazis treated in a specific way. Mm -hmm. And in a certain sense, I suspect whoever descends from those Nazi people also be mistreated this way. I'm not, I don't want to lead us to something that we don't no, want to no, talk no. about. I, what you're reminding me of is um, Nozick has this question of like rectification of historical injustices. And, exactly. and now it's like, how does memory connect or not connect to this, this type of thing? So can we, can we claim that this thing that we're calling collective memories play a role in somebody's life? I, Similar to the way your mm. memory 
plays a role in your life. Okay. It informs everything else. And yeah. And then, of course, if it informs everything else, I demand certain things to be happening in a specific way. And do we have the rights to demand that? So there's a million questions here. Yeah, so it's like, what are the ethical implications of this thing? I think probably... Yeah, the thing I keep thinking of is this this concept of collective memory. It seems to be maybe a hypothesis or maybe um, it's obviously the the phenomena denoted by the term is at least somewhat real. Mm-hmm. But but I think it's more about it's one of those verbal disputes, right? Like, <laughs> is this the correct concept to apply to that? And it, it, if if the definition of memory we're using is the one from the beginning about how it's a, a representation, you can't have a representation if you never had a initial originary presentation. So there is not a real collective memory. That's something that doesn't really exist. There is culture. There's culture. There is tradition. There's tradition, okay. Uh, and these things bring with them worlds that people are part of and people are outside but of. But those are not real memories. It's not memories. It's it's traditions that have ethical pushes and pulls. So, and I can agree with with this. Okay. If we agree that this means that when people claim this kind of stuff, when people that live within... I, I, we're not going to get in trouble. Relax. <laughs> I agree with you only if we say that since there's no such thing as a real collective memory, mm-hmm. people that live within this culture and with this, this tradition want some sort of justice because of this tradition, because of the injustice that mm-hmm. their ancestors have received. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. What it's untenable, what I don't like is if I agree with you with the fact that memory, this thing, collective memory is not really a thing, is when people claim that they suffer because of this tradition, like physically, mm. that they have kind of, it's like they have lived it. They are living so it like, the same <laughs> way. The little kid was like, yeah, I remember when I got in that car crash when I was 17. I'm like, 17? You're like four years old. And that's okay. Isn't that the same thing? So when people claim that because of collective memories, they have been wrong the same way as they... So if it's like today, mm-hmm. a Jewish kid is born right now. Mm-hmm. Let's stick with that example. A Jewish kid is born right now, and he claims that he feels the pain of being in the concentration camp. Mm-hmm. That is not acceptable if we think that, that collective memories are not a thing. What is acceptable is saying, what was done to my people is wrong, mm-hmm. and I am pissed off about this i'm unhappy about this and need, something needs to be done and something needs to be done to right, keep right. this memory alive to keep this tradition alive to keep remembering what happened to my ancestor mm-hmm. but i am not claiming myself to be hurt because of like this in a person. literal sense exactly no you're probably i think probably what's meant is you're saying i'm hurt because i see the effects of the original mm-hmm. memory right so think of it like an echo mm-hmm. right yeah, yeah. It's we we feel the echo of these things, and the echo is real, but the echo is not the yeah. sound. Yeah. It's like the reverberations of the sound. And I agree one hundred percent with that. And I I am sometimes listening people talking. I'm not sure that they intended in this echo way, rather than mm. I am hurt the same way as my ancestor was hurt. Yeah, and. Therefore, since I feel this way, and I think that the, the link that is the move that's made there is 
because I feel the same way as my ancestor, mm -hmm. you are as responsible as your ancestor for what's done. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, yeah, like how do these things follow? I, I'm, I'm thinking of it in a really base level thing. Like, if you look at a picture. We're putting so much effort to just. If, <laughs> if you look at a picture uh -huh. of like your great, 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 great grandfather, mm -hmm. like different people have different reactions to that, right? Some people might look at that and be on total one end of like, who is this? Mm -hmm. I don't care. Like, what, what is this? I don't know what this means. And then you might have someone that is more deeply connected with their roots and they're like, oh my God, like I look at it and I feel mm -hmm. all this stuff. And then you have people, I don't know if this is most people, but like they kind of fall in between. It's not a stranger. Mm -hmm. It's not like someone I know automatically. Um, but like to connect it to the beginning thing and then we can continue the next episode. It is interesting to see how depending upon our definition of memory, this can determine the way that we think of the effects that memory can yeah, that's or, or may mm -hmm. have upon people, right? Yeah, that is exactly, that's, that's exactly what, what I think I was trying to push the entire episode. That's, that's like the, yeah, the, yeah. the interesting thing there. On I, a personal and, and a social and level. And a social level. Okay. And I think that, I don't know, maybe we have said enough about this specific thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I think an interesting thing that we might talk about next time is like, the location of this memory. Where is memory? Yeah, yeah. This where is, are they? I like, thought of this in the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Where, where are those and things happening? Like, and why do they happen? Yes, and who holds them? And what is their metaphysical status? Yes. Right? Like, yes. are they real or not? So we did the opposite. We did the social things first, out of the way. Now we can talk yes. about the metaphysical stuff. Yes, all right. Sounds all right. good. Perfect. See you later. Mm -hmm.